0: All right, cool. Then uh, let us get going.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm Amy Scott. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today
0: make sense. It is Friday, March 31st. Yes, and I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you everyone for joining us for our annual Cherry Blossom edition of Economics on Tap. We're going to have very special cherry blossom themed drinks. We're going to have news fixes. We're going to take a brief break, and then we're going to end with our very fun game, half full, half empty. And Amy, I know you have an epic drink to share with us. Go for it. What did you get? I and I love your de- it's... decorations.
1: So pretty. Yes, thanks to Marissa for the decorations. The closet has never looked so good. I'm probably going to have to leave them (laughs) up until they get sad and dusty. Um, Yeah, so this is, I just, you know, looked for cherry blossom cocktails. This one's from a website, I think it's called Mm craftandcocktail.co. And I chose this one because it required the the least ingredients. Some of these are like 10 ingredient cocktails. This one Mm -hmm. is gin um Luxardo is the devil. cherry vermouth uh lemon juice and a tablespoon of sour cherry jam you shake it Ooh. and then I sent the kids out for these genuine Baltimore cherry blossoms uh to garnish my drink so it's a family family affair I haven't tried it yet though so oh, you talk about yours and I'll take a sip well I want to watch you you drink it <laughs> oh yeah that's nice Excellent. really nice not Good too stuff. sweet it's a little cloudy because i didn't strain it properly i'm not much of a bartender
0: but whatever it's just
1: me so i'm enjoying it and that's the important what's
0: on tap for you i do want to say for everybody who maybe is familiar with the dc cherry blossoms where it's a felony to take the uh or a federal <laughs> offense i should say to take a uh, part of the cherry blossom branches they got them from a neighbor who gave permission, so. <laughs> yes. She did indeed
1: give permission. These are not protected cherry trees. They were so yes. nice and also so perplexed. I don't think they realized like that I host a podcast from my closet. So I'm, not that it would make sense anyway, but I'll explain and uh, maybe send them a link to the show.
0: <laughs> you have to show at least a photo of it. So, Oh, yeah. Last it's week, a lovely I- p- cocktail. Yeah, last week I had my nice, pretty, and pink cocktail that was the cherry blossom recipe that I made last year. So I went in a completely different direction today because I also had some Luxardo cherries. But I made the mistake at some point months and months ago of putting them in the fridge, which you're not supposed to do and they got all crystallized and gross and so my solution to that was to fill the jar with bourbon and so the bourbon over the last couple of weeks has been dissolving all that crystallized sugar and getting all that cherry infusion so i then took that cherry luxardo cherry infused bourbon and it's half of this glass oh maybe like a third of this glass and ginger ale That's it. And I've garnished it with two chocolate-covered cherries because you always got to have a good garnish. Classy. That looks beautiful. How's it taste? It's very like rich, very rich, heavy, but it's nice. I like it. It's like it almost has its own chocolatey flavor, but maybe that's just because I'm smelling the chocolate-covered cherry right next to it, but it's good. I like it. All right. Uh, Let's move on to the news fix. Amy, why don't you go first? Yeah, let's do
1: it. So this one's uh, on my mind because I'm actually going to take a little bit of vacation. So uh, we've talked about this before. You know, Americans don't tend to take as much time as they could. But there's a new survey from the Pew Research Center that says nearly 46% of American workers, so close to half, don't take all of their allotted paid time off. That's a lot. And what really surprised me, I was thinking, you know, oh, it's because of stigma and people worried about losing their job if they don't work hard enough. There is some of that, especially among lower paid workers. But more Mm -hmm. than half of the people who didn't use all of their PTO said they don't feel they need to take more time off. Higher income workers, uh, of course, were more concerned about falling behind at work, you know, people whose identities may be kind of wrapped up in their careers or or their colleagues having to bear the burden of them taking time off. 12% though, this really struck me, said their managers actually discourage them from taking time off. And I think America's got a work problem. I mean, come on, we need a vacation. (laughs) We need a vacation if it's available to you and you can afford to, take it. Um, there is a lot more in this survey, though, about how Americans feel about their jobs, which is pretty interesting. Uh, mm. There's a lot of satisfaction with coworkers, workers unsurprisingly. Um, about half of people were satisfied with their jobs overall. 67% uh, were satisfied with their relationships with coworkers, workers and uh, 62% with their boss, which I thought was pretty interesting. But not surprisingly, only about a third were satisfied with their pay. And their opportunities for promotion at work.
0: Boo. Yeah. Well, at least we all love our colleagues. Hi, you, Amy. I know. <laughs> I, I love my colleagues. I really do. It's the best part of this job. It is. You know, um, one of the things I tell new people when they come to Marketplace, it's like you know, it is not. Cutthroat. nobody's out to like get you or to stab you in the back. Because we're all like desperately sending each other emails for help with sources on deadline, everyone comes together to help out. And it's very collaborative. And um, when you're talking about people not taking their vacation, I remember a couple years back, uh, I actually got a, a slack or a call from our wonderful person in HR who was just like, Kimberly, if you don't take your vacation. It's not all going to roll over. You have to use it or you're going to lose it. Like I had so much banked vacation that I was getting ready to lose it from like just you know. That was good of <laughs> them to, to point that mentioned. out to
1: you. I feel like you know, they could have easily just let it go. Um Honorable. You out know, for I get us. I get the anxiety about mm-hmm. falling behind, about not wanting to burden your coworkers. I totally get that. I just I've become a real believer in switching off for a while because I think we're just more productive and happier people when we do that.
0: And it is a real privilege to be able to do it, so we should take advantage for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, mine is related today to Trans Day of Visibility, which is today, and it is a day which is different from Trans Day of Remembrance, which I believe is in November. This is a day just to pay attention to trans people and the issues that they're facing. Although unfortunately this week trans folks have been getting an attention in a way that is not so great with the stories that have been coming out about Nashville and some really hateful language and, and comments uh, around that, but I will not uh, dignify it with repetition. And instead, I will talk, um, the Washington Post has a really interesting and useful guide about, and it's called A Guide to the Words We Use in Our Gender Coverage. And one of the things I find um, is a big barrier for people talking about LGBTQIA issues is not knowing what words to use or how to use them properly. And even people who want hmm. to be uh, either allies or kind or respectful or even if they don't agree, just not be rude or mean, don't know what words to use and which words used to be fine and which words are no longer fine. I remember I took a training in college called safe space training, which Hmm. was, I was RA, and you could get, do this training so that you could put a sign on your door so that you could say that your room was an LGBT safe zone. So people who were feeling um, unsafe or uncomfortable could know that they could always at least go there and it would be a safe space, right? But as part of that, I had to get an education about these issues. And I remember one of the facilitators heard me use the term homosexual and I said well we say heterosexual why can't we say homosexual and he said it's not that it's wrong it's just distancing and that so perfectly encapsulated for me the way a lot of these words end up landing even if it's technically accurate it puts up a wall or it puts up a guard. It's distancing for people, right? And being mindful of how your words are going to land matters. So anyway, the Washington Post has a guide and they go through how you can use terms like intersex, gender, um, gender identity, gender expression, and transgender as opposed to non-binary or gender fluid and gender non-conforming transphobia sexual orientation pansexual asexual all these different terms that get thrown around a lot in certain communities accurately and certain communities not accurately. I know I've been talking about this a long time. Uh, I also wanna point out a report that came out this week uh, from the Center for LGBTQ Economic Advancement and Research, aka CLEAR, which is an organization that follows and, and pays attention to the economic lives of LGBTQ plus folks. And it's got so much data on the economic experience of, as they qualified here, LGBTQI plus people, including some really interesting numbers, like um, four in 10 parents, 40% reported having out-of-pocket legal costs related to family formation. Additionally, 43% of LGBTQI plus parents have spent $1,000 or more on out-of-pocket health care costs related to family formation, and nearly a third have spent more than $5,000. The vast majority Mm. of respondents who received gender-affirming care, 82%, reported spending some money out-of-pocket, nearly half, 46%, of people who have received some form of gender-affirming care Have spent $5,000 or more out of pocket. A third report spending at least $10,000 out of pocket. Wow. A lot of money.
1: Yeah, because a lot of this isn't covered by insurance or people don't have access to insurance because of Mm -hmm. the economic disadvantages often faced by, especially, transgender and non binary
0: folks. Right. uh, And that that actually is in this study. I community. Yeah, that's in the survey as well, is that, you know, they, LGBTQI plus folks report far lower annual household incomes than adults nationwide. And a lot, and then 73% said they could no longer rely on their family uh, after, sorry, only 62% were able to rely financially on their family after coming out. And the gap is even larger for transgender respondents. So they said 73% of folks said that they could rely on their family before telling them about their sexual orientation, which dropped down to 62% after they came out with an even bigger gap for folks who came out as transgender. Wow, that's really telling. Yeah, so I mean, part of visibility of any community is looking at not just sort of what's in your face, but also the lived experiences of folks and and their economic lives as well. So it's a super interesting study. The Washington Post guide, so helpful, especially if you don't necessarily feel comfortable asking somebody the words to say, or you just don't want to put that um, emotional labor on, on somebody. So it's right there in writing. Okay, so (laughs) that is, um, it for the News Fix. What a ride. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we will play a round of Half Full, Half Empty.
1: We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever
0: you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Okay, this is Half Full, Half Empty, where we go through some of the news topics from the week and tell you how we are feeling about them. And it's hosted by our very own, the one, the only, Drew Jostad. (sighs) The crowd goes wild. Drew, go ahead.
2: (laughs) All right, are you Half Full or Half Empty on 3D printing cars?
1: Mm -hmm. I didn't hear
0: this one. That's pretty interesting. So Kai did a visit to a factory that is 3D printing kind of everything. Cars, because I guess people will pay the amount of money to 3D print a car. But also the guy who was trying to sort of ramp up this 3D printing technology happened to also be a car guy and knew how to do this. And so ended up doing it with cars. Um, I'm going to say half empty, Only because I'm kind of split because the technology, it needs to be developed and if this is how it sort of upscales up, great. But I think it's better used for things like 3D printing houses or 3D printing medical devices or prosthetics or things like that. But I guess it's not a zero-sum game. Sure, let people have their 3D printed cars. Why not? What about (laughs) you? Well,
1: how are these cars powered, right? If they're combustion engines, then no. We don't need any more of that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, having not heard the story, I i don't want to speak out of turn, but I, I think I'm half full because, well, I would like to talk to automotive workers about how they feel about this. Because mm. I can imagine this technology putting people out of jobs, but maybe those are the kinds of jobs that uh, are not as gratifying and, and folks can be... Uh, trained to do to use the technology to um, to do jobs that they find more exciting so I guess uh, yeah that's sort of a wishy-washy answer that's that's the kind of day it is
0: <laughs> it is indeed all <laughs> right what's the next one drew
2: as the interest rates uh, climb higher and higher certificates of deposit are getting more and more popular are you half full or half empty on the rise of cds
0: I am half full. I love that they're coming back. It just, it brings back such a sense of nostalgia, you know, of when you're (laughs) like, in my case, when I was like a teenager and early in college and just starting to learn how to save and, you know, kind of keeping your money in that little six month or one year certificate of deposit, you know, taught you to kind of just leave it alone for a minute. And these things have been useless (laughs) as a savings device for what the last decade or so because interest Mm -hmm. rates have been so low and now they're coming back because banks are desperate for deposits at the moment yeah interest rates are higher
1: i would say oh gosh low power mode well i guess we're not using the video so it's all right um if my phone dies i will still be talking to you uh okay so i'm half full i think i think it's yeah for savers to have to be actually earning some money on their money, it's a beautiful thing. But of course, the flip side of that is the higher borrowing costs and the, what it's going to mean for the economy going forward, which is still uncertain, but we are seeing more signs of of the economy slowing, more layoffs, more unemployment claims. And so, you know, it's hard not to think about that, that aspect of this. But yeah, earning some interest on your money. I've never actually owned a CD. It makes me want to go out and shop mm. for one.
0: Well, you'll get really good interest rates right now.
1: Yeah, maybe I should okay, get one for Drew, the kids. What's next? Yeah, that's are, a good
2: idea. are you half full or half empty on return-free tax filing?
1: Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say half empty. It sounds great to not have to go through the effort, but I'm kind of a—I don't want to say control freak. <laughs> <laughs> but I like to I like to, you know, know what's being filed, what's being said about my experiences and my money and I don't know if I trust it to like an automated system. I mean, it took us almost a year to get our refund from the IRS this past tax season. Wow. Um and there was no way to find out what was going on. There was no, you know, way to get an update. We just had to trust that eventually we were going to get our money and so I'm not I'm a little wary of leaving such a a big thing in my life to an automated system.
0: I'm actually half full on this. The vast majority of people have very simple tax situations and there's like this whole industry built up around something that people end up paying for that they don't need to and even people, like the IRS tweeted out the other day that if you make something like less than $60,000 a year, you can file your taxes for free. Click here, you know, because it's so, but nevertheless, a lot of people end up paying for taxes when they don't need to, just to basically put in put in basic numbers and be like, yeah, that's right, file. And uh, m- many other countries just do that automatically and just tell you if there's an issue. And then you only would need to do extra if you have an unusual situation. So saving people time, potentially saving people money. I'm going to go half full. Also, you know, there's been recent funding increases to the IRS so that we don't have those kind of backlogs that we did last year. People have been getting their refunds faster this year. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to go half full on it. I would like to not have to do my taxes so Yeah, much. ask
1: me in a couple weeks when taxes are due, and maybe I'll be like, yeah. I'm you haven't done your taxes yet? <laughs> I've not done them yet.
0: Uh, oh, man. I mean, I what incentive I do I, I have, have right? <laughs> mm. After I remember Marielle used, to, Marielle used to do her taxes by hand. She did a story about it. She's got, like, spreadsheets and everything. It's wild. Oh, I love it. Yeah. All right, last one, Drew.
2: Last one, uh, we here at Half Full, Half Empty love to keep you, up, keep you up on the weirdest foods we can find. Are you half full <laughs> yeah. or half empty on cup noodles breakfast? It's flavored <laughs> as pancakes, maple syrup, sausage, and egg.
1: I, I saw, saw that today. Oh, wow.
0: <sighs> I um, have yet to encounter a cup of noodles that I did not like. So even though it sounds awful Mm. to me and I don't like eggs, I'm going to (laughs) go half full. I'd probably try it. I'd eat it. I'd probably eat it.
1: All right. Well, just to be saucy, uh, my cup of noodles is half empty because
0: gross. (laughs) You almost made that go out my nose, Amy. That was my goal. (laughs) All right. We have been going on far too long.
1: Yeah, someone's got a vacation
0: to start. I know, right? Are we done? Do you have another one, Drew?
2: That's all I got.
0: All right. Thank you. We are done. Thanks, Drew. All right. That is it for us today. We will be back next week. If you have questions that you want to hear us answer on our What Do You Want to Know Wednesday, Show related to the economy, business, tech, and you know, we sometimes venture into other topics, but not if we can avoid it. Anyway, let us know. You can uh, you can do all leave the us dance. a
1: voicemail at 508 smart or email make me smart at marketplace.org.
0: Thank you for doing the dance with me, Amy. We're always bobbing our heads. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Jake Cherry, Drew Jostad wrote the theme music to Half Full, Half Empty, and Antonio Barreras is our intern.
1: The team behind our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg, Emily McCune, and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts and Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital.
0: You got it Almost before got it faded all the way out. It wasn't totally out. I think he made it.
1: We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. ...to splurging on fast fashion. I was spending, like, all my tips. I was definitely spending, like, $200 a week... I'm Rima Khreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.